¿Listo? Listo pal pisto. Listo como siempre, ¿da? Cesarín, we just crossed over 2K total listens on all platforms. Wow. We're hitting it. We're hitting some strides. Um, yeah, we're right around 1,000 on uh, Spotify, and we're about at around 1,100 on Apple Podcasts. Sheesh. So shout out to the crowd for, for listening in, for being so passionate, for jumping in the Discord. Talking it up with us, giving us some feedback, things that you guys want to hear. We, we're listening, and we really appreciate all of you guys. Anything you got to say, Sasan? Nothing. Just grateful for you guys to tune in every week. And for those of you on the Discord, that Discord is live every day. Yeah. We're hoping to get hopefully one or, one or two more episodes other than this before the new year. But this upcoming week, we might not have one, but uh, that still gives us another week before the new year. So hopefully we can get something for you guys. And we're hoping to have a really strong 2023. Yes, sir. Hopefully a lot more to come. We do lose World Cup soccer, but right at Boxing Day, December 26th, actually before, there's um the cup in England starts the 22nd, like four or five days after wow. the World Cup ends. I think the uh, Carabao Cup. Yeah, the FA Cup. I think it's going to there's a good amount of games. And then Boxing Day has a full slate of games on the 26th. So right we'll back be, into it. We'll be right back into our regularly scheduled programming <laughs> <laughs> going over whatever soccer craziness we got in the world. So if you guys have any feedback on the format of our usual episodes, please feel free to send us that in our Discord or by any other means, social media or anything. But yeah, I appreciate you guys. Salud, Cesar. Salud. Let's get it. Vamonos. Welcome back to Goal Sided episode... What are we at? 22? 22. Yes, sir. Episode 22. These are flying by. Episode. No, we're at 23. Wait. Jeez. Yeah, we dropped episode 22 of the Mex uh, Mexico's World Cup recap. So if you guys haven't listened to that and you are Mexican or have some passion or want to listen to anything about Mexico and basically hear us cry for an hour <laughs> about Mexico and uh, yeah, all just... of their shortcomings. <laughs> And potential changes. And potential changes and who should be where and what do they need and oh, how are we going to be the best in the world ever. Jump into episode 22. This is episode 23. We have an action-packed agenda today. We're going to be recapping what we've had uh, over the past week or so in the World Cup. We we're going to have a recap of the semifinal matches. We're going to have a preview of the third and fourth match that's coming up this Saturday here. We're going to have a preview of the finals. This Sunday is, is the end of it all. Uh, and then if we have some time, maybe we'll go over into some of the rest of the stuff that's happening in the world of soccer. But Cesar, we're at the end of the road, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been a, a month and, you know, we're at the end of it. It's been a great run. We've seen amazing players, amazing goals and... Just can't wait for the next one, three year, three and a half years. My post-World Cup depression is already kicking in. <laughs> it's it's real. Like, I mean, the days that there was no soccer, especially after, uh, what was it, the the first round of 16 was when we got the... The break. The yeah. break, the first day, two days break or whatever. I was like, oh my God, what do I do with myself? How do I actually do work? Um, it's, it's crazy that this is it, you know, this weekend. 
Yeah. That's it. But I mean, we've been lucky enough to get, like you said, some crazy results. Uh, some, some crazy dark horses, some dark horses, some last minute craziness like South Korea, the scoreline in the Japan game, right? Um, that Spain, Germany, Costa Rica group was pretty wild. Yeah, all that stuff there. Morocco's craziness making it all the way in, right? The roller coaster of Canada being there, uh, Costa Rica being down 7 0 in one game, but then almost making it, right? They were in for like three and a half minutes. Yeah, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Argentina coming back from the dead and making it all the way to the World Cup final. And low-key, now after some news, looking kind of like favorites. Wow. Like a bunch of craziness. This is the World Cup. This is what we wait for. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is what I told my girlfriend I was waiting for that whole time. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do this. Let's start with our recap of our predictions. Okay. Uh, just to see how sad they are. Dark. Well, let's just do Dark Horse. I chose Serbia and they ended up getting last in their group. But until the last day, they, I mean, they had a head to head that they needed to win against Switzerland and winner passed and they lost against Switzerland. So that sucked. And then Switzerland made it on, which Switzerland was my <laughs> offline choice. <laughs> I had told Cesar they were going to uh, be my Dark Horse and then, uh, I changed my mind on on air, uh, but they didn't make it that far, anyways. Your dark horse was Denmark. My dark they horse also Denmark. only had one point last in their group. Jeez, because of that head to head against Australia last game, they lost to Australia. They still had a chance, but that ruined it. What we got? Golden ball. I had Kevin De Bruyne. He is already in his couch at home. You had I don't remember Lionel Messi. I had Lionel you have Messi. a very good chance. There we go. I think Let's it's gonna go. it's gonna come down to. What happens this weekend? Yeah. Golden boot. Golden boot, yeah. You had Lionel Messi. No, I had Vinicius. Oh, you had Vinicius, and then I gave you a chance to say you got a backup because I said Mitrovic is my backup. You said Lionel Messi. Yeah. I won't count that. And I had Mbappe. He's still tied with Messi right now. Let's go. I think they both have five goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, five goals each. Lionel Messi actually actually passed him in goals plus assists with eight. So uh, some craziness. We'll see what happens this weekend. What else did we have? Newcomer of the tournament. I had Musiala. And I had... Went home. Right. And I had Gavi. Or... Uh, no, you had Pedri. Gavi. Gavi or Pedri, one of those two. You had Gavi, the younger one. Right. And he went home in the first... round uh, of 16. Round of 16. But... Made it a little bit further, so maybe he has a chance. But who do you think might win? Well, Bellingham. Bellingham made it went pretty far. Went further, so he might be. But um, I would think it might be somebody that's helped them make it this far here today, like the teams that are still left. Right, or it might be. Um, so I think it's pro- I think it's going to be. Um, Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez is 22 already. Oh, so he can't. He has to be under what? You have to. So... You have to have been 21 this calendar year. Uh, and Chuomani is not. I don't think there's a single one on either of these rosters that's going to fit it. I don't think so either. That has made an impact like that. No. Alvarez is 22 January. He's about to be 23 January 31st. So, nope. No, there's not a single one. Enzo Fernandez is 21 this calendar year. Oh, wow. I think Enzo Fernandez is going to take it. 
might be him. very possible it's, yeah so that's gonna be super exciting is that all we all that we chose and then we chose we didn't choose golden glove did we no we didn't choose golden glove Dang. but who's menos goleado did it ended up it, i think it's gonna end up being bono no? yeah morocco but yeah let's get right into it then Wait. semifinals our uh winners winners i chose you brazil choose? okay and I your winners you chose argentina they're still there wow the ones that mattered, you're you're still in the running. Let's go. Just had to point that out. <laughs> you got Golden Ball, and you got um, World Cup winners left. I only have uh, Golden Boot. I had France going out in the group stages. That shit's wild. Yeah, what was, what was I up mean, to it? I mean, uh, I just wanted the, the curse of the champions to be real. For real. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense that the, the team to break the curse of the champions Would've might been. go back to back. Yeah, that's true. They just I would hope. OP. I would hope if if it's a team that has the the grits to make it out and break that curse that they can go back to back and I mean with Mbappe at this level, who knows? And the team, the team who knows? They might even go back to back to back. Who knows? Sorry to hint the offense. Um, <laughs> so let's get right into it. The recap of the semifinals. The first game that we had was Argentina versus Croatia. Great the whole game. world thought it was going to be a lot tighter than it was. There was a whole bunch of emotion. There was a lot of drama. There was a, a penalty at the minute, 34. Uh, Julian Alvarez tried to get a, got a breakaway right, and he tried to pop it over the keep. The keep uh, tried to hold his ground, tried to kind of block. If you look at him very slow-mo, he does look like he's moving into the movement of the player. Right. Takes a foot off the ground. Some people are arguing his foot was not off the ground, that it was on the ground. Alvarez tried to get around it, could not, got taken out by the keeper. And then I think Van Dyke, uh, not Van Dyke, um, the center back from Croatia's, I think it was Guardiola. He like went around and cleared the ball, yeah. looked clean. And then they go to VAR and they give a PK. Right, it came off of a mistake from Lovren because he played uh, Julian Alvarez on. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I thought it was a PK um, because he runs into the path of Julian Alvarez and makes contact without touching the ball. Yeah. So for me, it is rather clear PK. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> so that was the 1-0. The 2-0, uh, Alvarez gets another breakaway. Well, he takes it his damn self, right, from his own side on a full-on beeline sprint breakaway it came off of a corner kick yeah takes one to two gets a couple one or two lucky bounces falls right in front of him right in front of the keep kind of chips the keep right puts it away just like a guardiola striker would and then the three nil Messi shows all of his glory the experience the the talent the yeah the the goat he showed literally it was like an embodiment of like everything that people say about Messi, either the good or the bad, and he's just proving the good. Like he got the ball. It looked like he was going to show his age and maybe just hold the play and let people come out and maybe just sticky tack a little bit. Gave the defenders back, shimmied him a bit, took him down line, burst right through there, which we all know Messi's first couple of steps, you're not going to beat him, right? Right. Takes him all the way down line. Gets right up against the keep, feeds it right into Alvarez for a beautiful finish. 
Uh, and that, that was a killer play, and it was like a typical Messi goal. Yeah. And I could tell Messi haters on Twitter got extra quiet because that was amazing. Yeah. At my first initial thought was, is he really going to try that with that little space? I mean. But he makes it look just incredibly easy. He's made a career out of it, right? And it's insane. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm so glad that he did it because I'm like, just like, we still have that Messi. He's still there, right? Like, I mean, he hasn't shown otherwise this tournament. He's been playing in tight spaces, big spaces, th- through balls that nobody else can see. Like, he's that guy right now again. And I'm just so glad that he's, we're getting to live it, right? Yeah. Even if he wins it or not, like, that's just incredible. But yeah, that's how we got to 3-0. Croatia had a couple of chances. They were, I feel like they, they were a bit unlucky. I think they had a couple off the post, especially towards the end of the game. Um, but yeah, it was pretty one-sided. I didn't think I was being clinical. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I felt like overall the the youth, especially Julian Alvarez, yeah. broke through that Croatian side. That Croatia just felt... They were passing really good before the the initial goal. And I thought, oh, wow, like, they're playing in Argentina's half. They're giving these tiki-taka vibes. Mm-hmm. I think they'll find a goal soon until Julian Alvarez just got that PK. And that's basically opened up the floodgates. Yeah. I thought even after that they were going to be fine and come back. Right. But it was only five minutes later until Julian Alvarez had that huge breakaway. And yeah. he did it himself. He literally did it himself. And it's just like at that point. It was KO. Yeah. I would have thought a Croatian player would take him down on their half or somewhere. But be- that's how I felt. But because of the first foul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, the first one the was first in the box. Pick, yeah. And I they knew that's what. Um, on that second goal, Sosa, who I thought was shaky a lot of the tournament. Correct. Yeah. He did a little. The, the other center back was right in front of him. Got juked pretty clean. And then Sosa had a clean look on the ball swung at it and missed yeah kind of got a little shave on it and just like grazed it and then he had a clear 1v1 against the keep right so like i you could tell the timidness of the defenders because they're like I'm, we are some of us already have yellows we already got a penalty in the box like we mm-hmm. should not touch this cat right but like you had 40 yards to have fouled him yeah before he ran so far in uh and they didn't do it early and then Obviously, they couldn't do it in the box anymore. Yeah, so it was. I guess it was kind of disappointing overall that Croatia's game, yeah, compared to what they had shown uh, since the beginning of the knockout stages. I guess we we all knew that they needed to put away the ones that they have because they they typically do. They're a very efficient team. Again, in the last game, um, what's his name against Brazil? They put away the chances that they had. Berisic. Yeah, Perisic put away the one that he had, the header, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the That was the only, like, clear one that I remember that they had. They had they were putting some pressure, but we all knew they're going to put away the chances that they have. And then they didn't, and then they paid. They paid the price. They paid a very high price, and they're getting – they're not sent home. They still got a third and fourth place game. Yeah, and that's good money. Did you hear Modric's uh – comments about the refereeing after the game is he were they positive no <laughs> he was saying no, that he was argentina is getting a little favoritism or what? yeah he was saying that i've never seen these type of calls 
And I thought it was pretty, pretty shitty because he's, you know, he's looked to be this very hardworking stand-up guy. Yeah. And I know I mean, it's semifinals, he's hurt, but that doesn't mean you have to come out and give excuses when you got scored 3-0. I mean, it's kind of the running joke right now that Argentina is getting favoritism. Yeah. That there's, like, jokes I see on Twitter that, like, Messi sold his soul to the Saudi freaking, to the Qatari government or to certain Saudi princes next door, and that they have such influence there that, like, it leads to the tournament being rigged towards Argentina and all these things, right? Uh, which is like, okay, then why did they lose at the beginning? Yeah. You can counterpoint that with it was, they lost against Saudi Arabia, which, but... Um, but the way they lost, yeah, I don't, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there's any foul play here. Um, but it's just interesting to see all these narratives, right? Like multiple teams now coming out and saying like, yo, like Argentina's getting a little bit of help. Netherlands said the same, right? Netherlands that, are just sore losers. Yeah. Netherlands were, yeah, before the game, they didn't even know how to play, and then they got they got smacked, and then they're sore losers. Argentina was also sore winners. Yeah. But, uh, and then Croatia seemed to have been hurt a little bit, which, which is interesting to see because I've usually seen them. I thought the rest of the team handled themselves pretty well, like as far as the game goes. It was like the 80th minute, and they were still helping Argentina players up, right? Like, they weren't like saying like, oh, you cry baby or anything, right? They weren't like, the they mannerisms were, the, were not there saying like, these guys are already sore losers down 3-0. Right, right. uh, but yeah, that's tough to hear. Shout out to Matea from our uh, Balls Deep team. I don't I don't think she listens to this, but she's the only Croatian that I know. Yeah, I don't her her I don't know any Croatians to be honest, to be fair. I, I remember because every four years she, she posts about it. Oh, wow. She's like, yeah, Croatia, we're doing so good. I'm like... <laughs> Not in 2014, you didn't against Mexico. <laughs> they got humbled big time there. Humbled, but it started a process. It did, yeah. And they look, I, I, uh, when they were in the group stages, they looked slow at first, and I was comparing them to Belgium that they were getting generationed. I'll coin it yeah. that like a new generation was outpacing them and all these things, but they just needed a little, little time to warm up. Yeah, and then the old heads, and they're not all old heads. They have very, very good that young players. Back, I think it's really good. Other than his, the mess up, Lovren. No, no, no. Or Guardiol. Um, Guardiol. Yeah, he's twenty years old. I think. Yeah, he's really young. The, he had the face mask on, right? Yeah, the guy with the. Yeah, he's raw. Um, and then they also had Brazovic. Brazovic had the yeah, the bomba on the. Yeah, like, dude, that's fucking wild. That fucker runs. looks like you fucking. I don't know. He looks like a fucking murderer in a movie or some shit with that yeah. bomb. But yeah, he Joker. He had the most amount of space uh distance covered in the World Cup by miles. Yeah. By multiple miles. And it showed cuz in the 3-0 he had to come out in the 50th minute with a pulled hammy, I think. So it catches up to you, man. They played two games, 120 minutes plus PKs. Against That's Japan and against Brazil. Yeah, those things no se van en balde, ¿verdad? No. They, they, come, they catch up. But let's move it on over. France versus Morocco. 2-0. It's pretty sad that the other teams didn't score at all. I I think uh, I mentioned it on the Discord. I think it's kind of a hot take. I, I'm a, I was a little bit bummed that we didn't get the semifinals we were expecting, which was Brazil versus Argentina. 
and then Portugal against France because I feel like the score lines might have been closer. Yeah, because these teams probably would figure out a way to just keep things tight. Uh, so I was a little bit bummed that we got a 3-0, 2-0. But both teams, Croatia and Marrakos, Morocco, they both kept it very competitive until the last minute. Things just kind of didn't go their way. Especially Morocco, I feel like after they got scored that 1-0, mm-hmm. from that point until the second goal, they were just on top of France, like nonstop, on the right side with the Hakimi, on the left side with the other wingers. It would hit the post, then you had a Chilena, then you had a great run, and then it just never went in. Yoris was there, and it just never went in. They never got their reward. And, um, yeah, it was just unfortunate because, you know, for example, that um, that bicycle kick, it goes in. It's still in the first half. Right. That was at the, right at the end of the first half, right? Yeah. You still have all of the second half to play, and it's open. Well, that would have been the 1-1. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been the 1-1. Yeah, that, I completely forgot about that. That was a wild play. I thought it was in, and then either Yodis got a fingertip on it or the post and then the fingertip, but. That's yeah. one of those where it's just like a game of inches, right? Yeah. But yeah, the 1-0 was Theo Hernandez on a kind of like a weird karate little scissor kick off of a Mbappe deflection. And then the 2-0 was uh, Muani, who had just come on as a sub, deflecting uh, off of a Mbappe deflection, which ended up into a beautiful through ball and got a tap in, right? So like they weren't also the most clear of goals. Right. Uh, and it showed because... Morocco's not going to give you a clear goal, right? They were freaking fighting for their lives in the back, even without their captain, Size. Size, Size yeah. got out as a sub in what the... Like the 20th minute, something like that. The 21st minute, yeah, with a pulled hammy that he's been nursing for two games already. So it sucks that you kind of had to make that sub so early. can affect the momentum of the team. But they but held it, their own. Yeah, Shout it's also understandable that he wanted to play. You know, you brought your team as you know very solid defender as a captain mm-hmm. this far it's kind of shitty that you know now you get to stay out but yeah the, I mean, inter- the, the first goal wasn't his fault per se yeah but you know still you can't have somebody who's at 80 60 50 percent yeah at, at a semi-final very true especially if you're they got scored on really early right it's the fifth minute and they were getting pressured pretty hard by france which is a young high-paced team and to have a guy that's at, like you said, 60, 80% or whatever instead of 100% in the back is, is a liability. And I, and I think they also had to do that because they went five in the back. Remember, they had three center backs and then Hakimi and, and uh, Mazraouri, I think his name is, from Bayern Munich. And um, I feel like if you have a 100% healthy center back back there, maybe you don't have to... Uh, put that fifth person back there like you haven't been doing all tournament they played 4-4-2 the whole time yeah and um Mbappe wasn't as active this this game against Morocco because of Siak and, and Hakimi on the right side yeah so that was tough it was tougher for him to they definitely packed that right hand they side. did and then Hakimi knows them you know they play at PSG together yeah so uh, I uh I bet some money that Mbappe would get an assist and that Giroud would get a goal. 
And those two those two goals were deflections of Dembappe's, and I was like, give him the assist, give him the assist. Did he get him? No. Nah. Nah. Damn. No. Nah. But, yeah, you're 100% right. They kept being head-to-heads with Hakimi. Mm-hmm. And they they were they looked epic. Like, they would they go body-to-body, shoulder-to-shoulder. Mbappe would win one. Hakimi would win the next one and come out playing. That right-hand side of Morocco is a problem. Oh, yeah. With Hakimi and, and Ziyech. If Ziyech can, can extend that career a little bit, he's already 29. If, if he can keep playing at a high level, I think this team can play uh, pretty good into some of the some of the turn international tournaments that would be coming up and then hopefully up until the next World Cup. Yeah, it's only three and a half years. Um, Ziyech actually had retired um, before the start of the World Cup, but he came out of retirement. For the coach, right? For the coach. And then, yeah, they, they took him this far. Shout out to the coach. Yeah, if you guys follow us on social media, you know the homie Luis Angel Fausto has been doing uh, some reels for us on Instagram. And he had a, a reel on uh, Walid Regragri, the coach for Morocco, that he uh, he came in after a not-so-liked coach left Morocco, got fired actually right after the U.S. men's national team game against Morocco. And uh, completely turned the team around. He was the coach of one of the best uh, domestic teams. Oh, wow. Which is interesting uh, in Morocco. And he turned the team around, took a very family environment approach to it, brought the moms to the game, to the World Cup, flew them all out. Wow. And uh, had them at the training camps, had the moms provide the players with their favorite foods. Um, So really took that. Uh, into account the psychological aspect to it, the preparedness to it, right? The extra fo- football aspect to it, the and the extra like outside of the field aspect to it. That's crazy. And I think it paid off. I mean, I was listening to some pundits <laughs> talking, saying like, I forgot who it was that it was trying to play devil's advocate. Like, the mom's not going to make the penalties that they made. Blah 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 blah. Right, but having those things that make you happy, especially in a culture where your mom is the biggest thing in your life. Like and you saw it with Hakimi. Yeah. He was so happy, right? With his mama. I'd be happy. My mama was there with that. Yeah, and these are all the extra things. Respect your mamas. These are the, all the extra things, a domestic coach, somebody that knows the culture that knows these players. Great point. Um, that's why, yeah, that, you know we can go into this rabbit hole with the Mexican Federation and yeah, but you know, it it really is true in times like this during the World Cup, you really need a domestic coach who knows the culture, who knows the players, and it completely showed here. Yeah, that's a really good point because if you, yeah, if you have a coach that's not from your country, even if they are from a similar culture or something, I feel like it's like an extra effort for them to to have to realize and then implement that the team would be better off if they had whatever uh, whatever aspect of that culture that they want to express internally there. Like if you want to bring the mamas around, right? Like an Argentino might not know that the mamas are the biggest thing for a Mexican culture or something, right? right? If they did that here. But that's a, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I would, uh, I definitely agree with it. Um, I, I did see, people that were mentioning that the amount of success that Argentina has been having lately has been due to the amount of coaches that they produce versus Brazilian coaches. And they were comparing the number of international 
or like big league coaches that Argentina has versus Brazil. Wow. That's also a big shout. Right? That's interesting. So there was a, they, they were calling out that like San Paoli, Marcelo Bielsa, Ricardo Gareca, um, Simeone, Simeone, Cholo Simeone, all these pl- coaches are Pochettino, in. Geez. Yeah, they're all in, uh, in Europe, right? In the top leagues, but there aren't as many Brazilian coaches out there. Right. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and, and that leads to the shortages of the coaches that you can have for your, your, uh, your international squad. If, if, uh, if your current coach isn't cutting it right and you need a domestic coach because that's the vibe that you're going with, you run out of people. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, uh, that I was going to mention, I've been thinking about this lately. I think there is certain teams that need, and I think that's where you're going with it, with the Mexico piece, that they need a domestic coach. I think there are certain teams that do need it, and there are certain teams that don't necessarily need it. Correct. I think the U.S. is a team that 1,000% does not need a domestic coach. Yes, I completely agree with the U.S. They're probably better off if they don't. And I think it might be the teams that, I don't know, maybe in some way the soccer's not the biggest thing here. Right. Like the U.S. I think they would need, they would do very well if they had a coach, like an astronomical option. Like if they brought Zinedine Zidane. Yeah. Or if they brought Pochettino. Or maybe more of a personality like Mourinho. Or like the biggest of name, Thomas Tuchel. If you could brought the biggest name possible, it doesn't matter if they know the U.S., like because what you want is for that dude to handle the personalities on the team, the talent on that team, and build soccer in the U.S. Yeah, and and it goes hand in hand with the how young this soccer is as a culture in America, and also I think it goes with the piece as to the people's culture because yeah. Americans are very hardworking, very independent. You know, it's personal success compared yeah. to family success. And it's very, like, puts emphasis on professionalism. Mm-hmm. So you bring in somebody who knows, who's very professional, who knows the game, who's an expert. Yeah. And you pair, pair them up with a really young squad um, who is very independent and comes from all sorts of different cultures. You have such Sergino Des, who's from the Netherlands. You have... Um, Antine Robinson is British technically. Yeah, Reina, who's Argentinian American. Yeah, um, you have uh, all of these, you know, from all over the the place mm-hmm. who don't have this soccer background, family ties background necessarily. Unlike the only one I can think of is uh, Reina. Yeah, but everybody else, you know, are first generation soccer players. Yeah. Um. So that's where it makes sense how they need a big profile coach who knows who's an expert like like you said like Mourinho or anybody I anybody think, in the big yeah. top five leagues that's a really good point and I think uh I think it also would help just the exposure in the U.S. Mm-hmm. because like to, to break that mainstream barrier I think you need to bring the big name for a coach because there might be the domestic coaches in the U.S. that are good like a Greg Berhalter he did great with Columbus like a Jesse Marsh, he's doing great in Europe right now and all these things, right? But if you see the the content that's being created by other parts of of athletics in the U.S. during the World Cup, like TNT when they were talking about the, the basketball dudes, Charles Barkley, yeah, shacking them yeah. about soccer, 
they're not talking to Greg Berhalter. <laughs> the dude, uh, um, Charles Barkley was going viral because he's like, bring on the Netherlands, bring on Brazil. And he's like, bring on France. And he's like, oh, no, never mind. They got that Mbappe guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, those are the names that they remember, right? right. And the other parallel that I, that I make to it is like bringing Zlatan to the MLS. Because Latan is the personality where he's like, I am the best. You, right? I'm going to tell you something about Zlatan. It's a funny it. story. Um, when he you got met to, him? No, no, no. <laughs> I wish. When he got to LA, um, he took out a newspaper ad saying Zlatan is here, LA. Zlatan mm-hmm. is LA. You know, the typical Zlatan yeah. narrative that he puts out. LeBron sends him a jersey, signed a Lakers jersey. And guess what Slatan does? Sent it back signed. Sends it back signed. Oh my Typical god. Typical Slatan fashion. Dude, but that's sick. I mean, that's but, like the thing, right? That's right. like the, that's like it, those, yes, those are small things, but that those are like saying soccer's here. Right. Right? Like mm-hmm. you are I'm not your fan. I'm not your number one fan. We are both top tier ath- athletes. Yeah. Right. And that's where I think if you brought somebody like uh Thomas Tuchel, who I think would be a great option, even though USMNT will hate me because he benched pull sick. Yeah. Um, but like even Mourinho, but that's just kind of memes. Right. But like if you brought a big name person and everyone wants Gareca or Pochettino or something like that. But if you brought a big name with a big personality, I think that's what would be the best for the US team because that's where I think it would really improve US soccer. Yeah. Uh, but completely different from We've had these arguments about Mexico. We think the best next option is a domestic coach. But then at the same time, it's not even in question for Argentina or for Brazil. No. Don't even bring up a non-domestic coach. Right, correct. And that's because they have the expectation of... Uruguay does it as uh, well. Yeah. They they have the expectation of putting out great quality coaches as well as their players to the point where they can pick from a pool of coaches. Right. And Brazil, the point that I was making earlier... People are making fun of Brazil that they don't have top coaches right now, and they just got rid of homeboy of what's the name Tite. Yeah, Tite. They just got rid of him, so now they got to go look for something. They're probably gonna pull like I don't know the coach of Flamengo or of a domestic one, which is great. They get them to play amazing soccer, right? but they're not they're not gonna be top five league coach. Yeah, it's unfortunate. This is losing many many soccer players, so they'll be fine. They'll be fine on the soccer player front, but they got to. Brazil, I guess if we want to do a little mini Brazil section, Brazil and a lot of these teams that are right there but just not winning it need to figure out to get there because Brazil hasn't won a championship in over 20 years. Yeah. And they need to do it because their country is hungry for it. It's unlike them. And they're getting more and more angsty, more and more desperate for it. They should have had it in Brazil. I don't know what they did with that lineup that just terrible, but they've had their chances to win it. This was the year that they were supposed to have won it. This was the last year they're going to have Neymar in his best. Yeah. And they didn't do it. I thought they had everything. I thought like Charlie Stone was on pace to be Mbappe. I thought like all these things were lining up, but uh, they just gave up one goal that led to them going the to PKs. The last five minutes. They gave up a silly goal. Led them to PKs. You put it to a coin flip, basically, and you fucked up. Yeah. That's how it goes. But, yeah. Fun stuff for the future. So, let's look at 
a, a preview of the third and fourth place games. To, uh, today is Friday that we're recording this. Uh, Croatia, Morocco tomorrow. What are your thoughts? Who you got winning and, and what are you thinking of the game? I think uh, Morocco will take this one. Well, I should say uh, I want Morocco to take this one. So you think they will? Yeah. Um, just because they fell short and because of how they played against France. You know, they, they played until the end. Mm-hmm. I feel more so than Croatia. Croatia looked a bit defeated. I know the scoreline was 3-0 compared to 2-0. Um, but I feel like Morocco will try to make the best of it because they've never been in a position like this. They're going to want to take something home. Um, Croatia's last World Cup, they got second place. This World Cup, they get third, may get fourth. So I don't think it's such a big deal Yeah, it's to not them. that bad. They got all the way. They had the chance at the semis, right, to make it repeat again. Yeah. And just didn't go their way. They just have to make sure, I think, as a system, that they're going to be good for the next one to be there plus more. Right. Right. Um, it, a couple of interesting things in the lineup. Brozovic is going to be out, so they're going to have Jackic in the middle, hopefully, because um, that hammy. And, I mean, they're it's not they're not playing for the biggest of trophies, so they're probably going to rest him. Yeah. Um, and then the interesting thing on the Morocco side, I think they're probably going to go back to either a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. And if they do, I low-key will be hating on it because <laughs> I think they should have gone out that way against uh, France, France. And, and given it their all. And I would then question the coach and be like, yo, homeboy, why now? Why Let's, change something that's been working? Yeah, the, you play the whole tournament with this, 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, and then you go five in the back against France. It didn't work. And then now you got the third and fourth game, and you're playing two for two against the other team right now when it's like you should have played France two for two, but hindsight's 2020. Yeah. Who do you think will take it? uh, I think, I think Morocco will win it and I hope that Morocco wins it so that they get uh, uh, a trophy, not a trophy, but that they get third place and uh, a huge, huge, huge uh, milestone for African soccer. Yeah. They were the first ones ever to make it to semis. They would be the first team ever to place at the World Cup in third place. Um, I think this team deserves it. Uh, and Definitely. I think that they have the quality to beat uh, Croatia, especially if they go back to their fundamental pieces to it, where which is giving up zero goals and let's get something. I think they can beat Croatia. I think so as well, and I hope they do. We'll see tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's move on to the bread and butter. The grandest of stages, the World Cup final. Is there going to be a musical act? Do you know? I'm not sure. Are they going to do that? <laughs> Everyone that's listening probably just got like a PTSD from TikTok ads, YouTube shorts. That song's everywhere, know, but man. Lately, it's been hitting, bro. That shit's been hitting. Yeah. Everyone that I've talked to, all my friends that aren't like. Not, some of them are not even soccer fans. They're like, that shit isn't hitting. That shit's getting annoying <laughs> how much I hear it. Um, which, I mean, I feel for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got Argentina, France, 7 a.m. on Sunday. I'm going to be at the airport watching because I have a 9 a.m. flight. So, hopefully, I get to watch all of it. Uh, if not, the pilots. You know when they tell you, like, turn off all electronic devices? I'll be like, nah, fuck off. I'm watching the World Cup <laughs> final. Um, but, yeah, Argentina and France. 
what do you got? What are your thoughts? Who you got? And why? Um, I have Argentina. Duh, you chose them to win it all. Yeah, of course. And because they've matured into the the World Cup, they came out losing against Saturday, but their first game. Mm-hmm. And ever since that game, it's been a do-or-die situation for them. Their second game against Mexico, if they would have lost that one or even tied it, they pretty much would have been, been out. And same Thanks, thing. Tata. Same same thing against uh, Poland. You know, for a, for a second, they were out because Mexico was on top. So it had it ever since that first game or the second game, it's been in knockoff stages for them. Mm-hmm. And they've matured into this tournament, and they've gone as far as to be a really good Croatia team. Three zero, Lionel Messi turned it up. Um, you have this youngster. Uh, Enzo Fernandez. Enzo Fernandez in the, mid. in the middle of the park. And then you have Julian Alvarez turning it up as well. And that was totally solid. benched. Lautaro, huh? Yeah, he was like, yo, this is my time to shine. Mine, give give it. You you ain't putting in the work here. Let me do it. But I mean, what luxury from Scaloni yeah, to right. have your backup be a stud from Manchester City under Guardiola? Yeah, Jesus. so I think Argentina will take this. It'll I'm hoping it'll be a really good like game going back and forth mm. just because France is a really young lightning team, very tough team, yeah. but they also got a couple injured players as we'll talk about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm More taking Argentina, maybe a 2-0 Oof. or a 2-1, something like that. Okay. Dang. Not bad, not bad. Um yeah, as you mentioned, there are some injuries or illnesses, more better said. On the France side, they have about six players that are out with illness. Uh, Rabiot, Chaumeni. Yeah, well, he's not. they're not out. They're doubtful. So they're Got trying it. to see uh, if they can recover before. It's only two days, which is wild. They probably got them hooked up to IVs. But Rabiot, Chaumeni, Konate, Kingsley Coman, Rafael Varane, and Teo Hernandez. Uh, Teo Hernandez, I think, is his knee actually, but um, but that's crazy how many players are doubtful or possibly not going to be there at all because all of those guys were there starting in the yeah. last game, and that would be a huge ding to them. I think they could still do it without him, with like <laughs> even if they put other players in, but that would be crazy huge because I mean, for in the middle, if you lose Chomeni, you got Kamavinga in there, right? Yeah. If you if you lose Champions League winner Kamavinga. Yeah, if you lose Teo Hernandez, you're probably gonna put Benjamin Pavard. Oh, yeah. poor you. <laughs> right? Uh if you if you lose uh Konate, Konate was already, I think he had already taken the the spot of uh Upamecano. Oh yeah. Or you have oh, if he can't go, you have William Saliva. From Arsenal, English uh, Premier League leading Arsenal. Oh, Jeez. poor you, Jesus! Uh, and then uh, who else? And the rest of them are. I think uh, they they haven't been starting that much. But Rabiot has been in and out. So I mean, they're already kind of they're already fine. There's not going to be a single problem. I think they'll be fine to play. And I mean, and they're not losing their top three strikers. Right? They're not. Losing they're not losing Giroud, Griezmann, Griezmann. They're not losing. Mbappe, they're not losing Dembele, they're not losing Giroud, they're not, no, 
they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They can just call in uh, Benzema to come in too. If I he's know. good now. They should have just left him on the roster just in case. I don't know why they didn't. Who'd they take in his place? Do you know? Uh, let me see. They should have taken someone else, right? They probably did. I thought they did. They took Duram, no? Marcus Duram? No, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I think they took Marcus Duram. That's where they probably started missing some of the players from that song from the 2018. Who's on the song? Uh, they had a... Ingolo Cante oh, yeah. was on the uh, song and he's out. They had a uh, men. They had Pogba. He's out. They had Mendy. He's in jail. <laughs> they had. Uh, uh, they had Kimpembe. Oh, yeah. Kimpembe was available and um, what's his name? Deschamps left him out. He's like nah. And he's like nah. I'm Chilka. So that fool ruined that whole that whole song. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I think. Oh, I'll give my prediction. I think France is still going to win it. And I think if uh, all the players are healthy, if they're good to play, I think even more. Because I don't think Argentina has truly, truly faced a team that is better than them up and down the entire lineup. And this team, if you have the full team, is scary, scary good, this France team. Uh, and they haven't slowed down at all. I think the... The 2-1 against England was kind of a nice scoreline for England. And then 2-0 against Morocco against a team that doesn't give up goals. Kind of scary. And then 3-1 against Poland who just lay down. Like it, It's going to be tough for Argentina, but Argentina's been doing it this whole time, right? Yeah. They, like you said, they've had... Argentina's been playing a playoff game since match day two because they had to win every game since then, and they have... And they've done it against teams that people assumed like, hey, Argentina's not doing so hot, so that team could pull out a point. Like the Netherlands. Yeah. The Netherlands is a good team. I don't think they were up and down better than Argentina. Right. But that was the powerhouse team, and that's crazy that it was uh, in the quarters instead of the semis to have knocked each other out. Um, But I think if um, France has the whole team, it's going to be very difficult to overpower them because like I said the one-to-one matchups are not in Argentina's favor but like I've said in our discord um the difference maker is Messi definitely if that if he's going to do the same thing that he did to the Netherlands we talked about that play the one zero he pulls out Ake and then basically that creates a disadvantage right there right you could say that the back line is so good in Netherlands or you can say it for France that their center mid so good but if you have two to three players watching Messi and he pulls you out of your space, that creates an advantage all of a sudden for the team who is supposedly the underdog. And he's going to put it right where he wants to put it. And it could create opportunities for uh, Argentina to come out on top. So it's going to be really interesting. But I still give have my money on France. Well, if we want to take it back into time, there has been 12 matches France has played Argentina. Argentina winning six of them, France only winning three, and three ties. Damn. Overall. Overall. What's the recent ones? Yeah, by 20, recency? 2018, France beat Argentina four to three. That's what I'm talking about recency. Let's go. So, there and, you go. Damn. And then 2009, they had a friendly. Argentina won 2-0. So, we'll see what matchup 13 looks like this Sunday. I thought for me that 
Netherlands Argentina game was a like the second wake up call for Argentina. Yeah. Because they were winning two zero. And then they went they got tied at the last second mm-hmm. to go into stoppage time. So for me that's that match was like, hey, like we have to take it full Up ninety minutes. You know, mm-hmm. get our yeah, goals. Yeah, they, they learn some good lessons, and like they always say, better that you learn those lessons early than when you're gonna learn it the hard way, right? If Argentina, uh, I mean, it could have easily happened that Netherlands would have won it, yeah. but like they got to survive and live another day. But it would suck if against France this weekend they learned the lesson to not give up on a two zero, right? But they already learned that in the quarterfinals. Uh, they already learned about losing and uh, like underestimating Resting. appointments, yeah. uh, uh, underestimating op- opponents in the first game. Uh, so they've learned their lessons. France hasn't had a single team that no. like has tried to teach them the lesson. No, no, they haven't. So, so we'll see. We'll see how they do, and we'll see if uh, the French uh, get better from the illness. So they can what is it? Uh, what do they call it? Um, the flu del camello. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know if it's just in Spanish, but let me see if it's in English too. Camel virus? Yeah. Camel flu. Virus del camello. Fever, shortness of breath, cough, a viral respiratory illness caused by a coronavirus. Oh, it's a type of coronavirus. Let the conspiracies begin. Don't even say oh, coronavirus. Oh, this is MERS. Also called Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. I just looked up camel virus. So it's a it's a form of coronavirus which we all right, let's drop the conspiracies people on the right that here, are listening in. Ago, what is camel flu? Virus affecting France squad ahead of World Cup final. So But as we know, coronaviruses are have been around for a while. There are different iterations of them, different mutations that have led us to be at COVID nineteen. And it sounds like this is a different version. Yeah, it's just like a different strain. Best, uh, bi- wishing best health for our French lads so that they can make it, and we can have the most competitive, most even, fun final. Yes, sir. Cheers to that. Cesar, what else you got in the world of soccer? I got your Poderosi Simas Chivas doing this European tour. Yeah, in Spain. They they handed it to Hetafe, one zero one zero, bruh. Bruh, I mean they still <laughs> they still gave it to, uh, <laughs> yeah they beat Hetafe, which was killer. It was all the freaking everyone will talk about in the world of Chivas Twitter, and uh, and then they lost what two zero against uh, Atlético de Bilbao. Who, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Chivas here, but Atlético de Bilbao is fourth place in Spain. Yeah. And they only lost Unai Simon, and I think maybe, I, I think that might have been the only player that they lost to Spain. No, they lost. Uh, isn't one of uh, the Williams at Atletico? Bilbao? Oh yeah, Iñaki Williams is from there. Yeah. Or actually, is it Nico? My, both of them might even be there. No, only one. Actually, yeah, I think they both are there. Iñaki Williams. Yeah, they're both athletic. So they they lost the two Williams rows, which actually are big pieces to the team. Yeah. And then they lost their starting keeper, stud, Unai Simon. Stud. And, but Chivas lost El Poderosísimo 
Roberto Alvarado too. So let's oh, not yeah. act like we and Alexis Vega and Alexis Vega is not there. Um, but yeah, there, uh, but a little backstory on Athletic Bilbao. They're Vascos. Yeah, they're from the Basque region, so they're mm-hmm. a little bit like Chivas. How Chivas only takes Mexican players. Mm-hmm. Um, Athletic Club only takes players who are born in the Basque region of Spain. Mm-hmm. So they're the only La two. Vasco. Not just Spain. There is one in, uh, region in France, too. Right. It's in the northern part of Spain, bordering France. Yeah. So they can choose from players from both of those areas. Yeah. So very interesting club. They're the only two clubs in the world that operate this way. One of them doing very well. The other yep. one is not. And we can tell by the score line. <laughs> but it's interesting because uh, Atletico de Bilbao being in such a competitive league like La Liga to be in fourth place above Atletico de Madrid, who's in fifth place. Uh, I think that's just so interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, in Mexico, yeah, sure, right? The Mexicans can play up against the other South American players, right? Like, makes a little bit more sense. But, like, these guys are... They're like 10 points away from that like gap that Real Madrid and Barcelona have. Yeah, it's not far behind. They're there almost every season, you know, they don't fall. Yeah, they're past, usually mid table. Yeah, at least mid to top of the table. I don't think they've been in European tournaments pretty recently, but um not recently, I don't think so. But yeah, yeah. it sounds like now but uh, they, they have an even smaller region than than Mexico than Chivas has. Yeah. So tiny. to me, it goes back to what we've been saying, we've been screaming from the hilltops. You have to invest in the youth and you have to believe in the youth, right? It's a structure system. You you think Athletic Club would be this way if they didn't have one promotion relegation and two, they didn't invest in their infrastructure. But, but yeah, I, I love the move by Chivas. Yeah. I like that Fernando Hierro is exposing these teams out there. I was talking to my dad and he kind of laughed about it that I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, yo, I mean, from a purely psychological, from a purely uh soccer aspect to it you can't tell me there is no good from playing that game even though they lost 2-0 when you play a fourth place la liga team and then you come and you play mazatlan yeah like it has to be so easy like it obviously not easy 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 but like there are levels to it and it's like almost training with like a weighted backpack or something and then playing mazatlan or like a local team that's not doing so hot has to be for chivas players like taking that backpack off and then being able to play soccer yeah but i'm gonna be devil's advocate here it needs to be yeah why was your dad laughing first of all my dad was laughing because he's like nothing can help chivas right like that's (laughs) where my dad's coming from right well yeah i get it um but also like i get what you're saying i mean it, it sounds logical right but I feel like it would be more beneficial. It would be more of what you're saying if this was a recurring thing. Yeah. Right? Because I don't know if you've ever noticed, you you go out and play like pickup soccer or like you go out and any type of soccer, the players that you play around with, their level becomes basically your level. Yeah, that's true. So you're stuck in this Mexican league who's just sometimes can be really bad or sometimes can be really competitive, but that does not compare it to playing in Europe. So you have these two offshoot games. I've never seen 
Chivas go to Europe and play Amistosos play friendlies against these teams. Um, so to me, it's like, yeah, it's cool. Let's have it again next year. And I'll play four teams. Yeah. So it becomes a thing where eventually with time, yeah, it's, it'll become easier when they come back and play Puebla or Querétaro or yeah. Mazatlán. And it'll be more competitive when they play America. But it, it just can't be like a, a one summer thing. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what maybe Fernando Hierro is trying to instill. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the level that you need to be to be at Chivas, which we've talked about this about Chivas. It's like a raising the bar, right? Which I think has been lowered, right? It's not just going to Tapatio and then if we need players, we get you up here. It's like if you're in Tapatio, if you're U23s, U19s, U17s, U15s, there's a level of excellency that's needed of you because this is an institution that historically has been excellent. Correct. Right? And then uh, if you're able to go to these things, you take players, and you can't tell me those players aren't excited to play against the number four team in La Liga, against mid-table La Liga teams, and and get that exposure to the ownership of those teams and whoever else is watching, yep, for youth youth uh, Mexican talent, right? They're going to go out and play their hearts out, yeah. right? And that's what they need to do. And I think that's I think that's a good piece to Fernando Hierro. It's a great. I, th- piece. I think that's something that he brings because he is from Spain and has those connections, which um, and not to say that any other Spanish team is not top tier, but like he comes from Real Madrid. Yeah, he comes from the best team. Some people say Europe yeah. for a very long time, and he, he was a very good uh, soccer player himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him to come to Guadalajara and instill these values, these standards, these expectations, it is very much needed in Guadalajara. Yeah, very true. I, I just think uh, we talked about this in the Discord. I think there are some pieces to it that are uh, going to come from increasing the talent that Chivas has, and I think it's going to be more of a process because I we talked about the two zero, yeah, the goal that they that um, Atletico Bilbao scored, uh, and some of the players on Chivas just look completely lost on some fundamental, what you would think would be simple defending plays. Uh, Tiba Sepulveda got completely put on skates and yeah. tore up against. Just didn't uh, know which way to turn. <laughs> twice in a row like going one way overshot it going the other way overshot it too much space and that guy just the guy looked like he was like having a field day and just put it in the corner but see you don't get exposed like this in Liga Mekis no no and you do against certain teams and then it always happens in the playoffs and then that fool never comes back (laughs) like they just put some other player in instead of them right they just buy someone else in the transfer window so like I'm really glad that these things are happening but I I think the coach still does have a lot of work out for him to make sure those things don't happen um, and ask of the team a lot more that they should not be getting exposed like that. They should be uh, working together. People should be helping each other to the point where they're not completely left exposed like that against players. But we'll see. They have a couple weeks left uh, to try to get things together. And it's good from the general manager, but there's still a lot of like working pieces that still need to work together. Like you said, like the coaching, like the, the players, um, the whole organization, the the owners, like they still have to perfect yeah. the way they're going to work to to be successful. So they just have to be patient. This first season 
it's going to dictate a lot of things. Yeah. But to start off, Fernando Hierro getting them these two games is Not excellent, bad. is amazing, and it makes me hopeful for them. Even yeah. though I'm an America fan, you want to see a team like Guadalajara be competitive again for yeah. the betterment of, of Mexican soccer. Not very true. Um, the other thing that I was going to bring up was that, oh, the, you, you talked about the ownership. Uh, a lot of people are criticizing that they still don't have any actual transfers in. There was, and this will maybe move us over to a lightning round of transfers that we can close the episode with. But there was a supposedly really solid rumor that uh, Chivas was going to pay about three to four million dollars plus sending Jesus Angulo, Canelo Angulo, our fellow YouTuber, our fellow podcaster. Shout out to you for Victor Guzman, uh, who they the transfer him fell through a couple seasons ago um, to go to Chivas, so that he would now go. It's apparently not one hundred percent finalized. But that would be the only transfer that's coming in. A lot of people are still uh, screaming for a striker. But if if uh, Macias can come back healthy, I think that should be fine. There's the 19-year-old Luis Puente that they took and he played against Atlético Bilbao. He didn't have too many chances. But a lot of people are saying just give those dudes the chances versus bringing in. People are saying, like, dude, stop overspending for th- average if you're gonna have average, let that average be your youth, and let them let one of them surprise you. Correct. Um, and that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, I think the coaches are, are uh, and the ownership are probably at so much pressure that they they, they need wanna, to just sign something, right? But they need to weigh that out and just. I th- I think that the fans will not kill you if you put in a 19 year old and just say, "Die with the 19 year old. Die with your kids." Right. right. So and we'll he, see what happens. And it sucks because he has to come forward and say this is the plan. The coach. Yeah. Yeah. And the coach the coach, to be honest with you, has no sentiment about like growing Mexican soccer. He's freaking what what is is he? Serbian, Spanish? Croatian, Polish, something like that. He doesn't care. But what I mean is the ownership. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh the dad, what was the dad's name? Um De Luis Pente? No, Vergara's. Oh, Jorge Vergara. Jorge Vergara was really good at this, was really good at going to press conferences and showing face and saying... This Super transparent. Need. Super transparent. And he had him, Daniels Cajones, to say, this yeah. is what we're doing. So the da- the the kid now, he's being clowned half of the time, half of the time not. I know he wants to do a good job, but he needs to be more transparent like his dad and say, hey, we haven't signed anybody because of this. We're going to die with these because this is the process that I brought Fernando Hierro for. Yeah. And it's going to uh, take us time. Yeah. I think he he's just, that guy's not the personality or the, um, he doesn't have the presence that his dad has. And he's, to be honest with you, kind of a daddy's boy, right? Like, I mean, he's he didn't come up from, I don't know what Vergara came up from, but he didn't come, he didn't build his way into Chivas you got it handed to him. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a lot more difficult. And especially if the person that's supposed to have that transparency is the general manager because he's the one that makes the movements with the discretion of the of the owner. But like uh Amaudi's not gonna be stepping on Fernando Hierro's feet. That fool's not gonna allow it. it Fernando Hierro will not allow it. He was at that le- at the exact position with Real Madrid. That dude's not going to let you do that, right? And especially not if you're the owner, the kid of the owner. Right. And you're now the owner. 
I, I don't think this young owner in Amaudi will do that with a very tenured, uh, such like well-known general manager in Fernando Hierro. But I mean, Fernando Hierro needs to do step up and do that and we'll see what they build. Right. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see what the coach does. Didn't have the best of, of, uh, of careers with the MLS in uh, the Scottish Premier League. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Let's fire it off. Some quick ones. I'll go. We'll start just naming off the ones that we've heard. You want to talk Cesar Montes? I do. I wanted to talk Cesar Montes real quick. Um, he renewed his contract during the summer, I believe. Yeah. Uh, before the start of the World Cup. Um, and somewhere in the clause, well, he got more money out of the contract. And somewhere there was talks that he asked Monterrey to make it easier for him to move abroad mm-hmm. if, you know, people came knocking on the door. Monterrey assured him that he would, that'd be easy for him, that'd be a quick, yeah, he's out, he's gone, they'd make it easy. But now that he, the opportunity did come with Espanol out of mm-hmm. Barcelona, um, Monterrey wants to get the best transfer fee because of his good performance at the World Cup. So... It just, it's yeah. unfortunate, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, I heard that talks were going really well during the World Cup, and then after the World Cup, I don't know if they did an evaluation of how good he did and based off of all the hype around him or whatever. But yeah, it sounds like, from what I've seen, that that led to some bumps in the road in that discussion, and it basically went from almost locked in to not, not really going to happen. Yeah, I think that's really fru- that must be really frustrating for that cat, um, because the, these contract negotiations can get dirty and stuff, right? These these players can just not resign as well, and then they go for free. And I feel like somebody's going to get burned from a player, and it'll get around. And a lot of these Mexican players will maybe just start not resigning, yeah, and take whatever little amount of money they get because that's why they resign because they get fatter pay. In Liga Mankeys, like a European club, and a guarantee that at some point they'll sell them to the European club, and then you get done dirty like this, where they don't do that, and you're happy because you're getting paid well, but you're not playing European ball. Yeah. So I think that sucks. I hope they get to an agreement. I highly doubt Espanol will meet the level that they need because they already had an agreement. Yeah. And it's the same player, but it's just gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. It's really sad. Cesar yeah. Montes is a great player. He's a great player. He had a great tournament. And Hugo Sanchez has been screaming from the from the hilltops as well, just saying, hey, like, take a pay cut. Take a 50% pay cut. Go over there, struggle for one, two seasons, and you'll do great, and you'll get 10 times the amount you get at Liga Mekis. But it doesn't matter because he's under contract now. I know. But yeah. just for future, yeah, for future, future players. players, players need to do that. That's they, what that dude they from need to uh, take the risk, the cat from Querétaro. I think his name is Jesus Hernandez. Um, Querétaro's. I don't know if they're going to be dismantled or they're going to keep going, but his contract was done. He had a youth contract. I think he might have debuted on the first team, but he never really broke through. Right, and he just up and left, and he's at El Chena, the U twenty three squad. I think so. He's good. Same thing with. Uh, Orwellin Pineda, similar kind of story there. He went on a on a free to Celta. Mm-hmm. Celta loaned him out um, after 
I don't know. He had a few games with Celta. Didn't stick. They sent him to A A E A K Athens. Athens with Matias Almeida. And he's doing and he's, well. He's been killing it, and he's going to stay there for the rest of the season. Yeah, they extended him. That's good. Well, I guess another rumor, we can maybe go lightning round now. Um, apparently, AK Athens wants to uh, transfer Benji Kikanovic out of the earthquakes here. We've sent that in the Discord. That's a good one. I think Benji would do really well in Europe. I and think the, so as dude's well. It's just he's, lightning fast. He's fast. Yeah. My, take him. Um, um, that's just Matias Almeida is doing right there because he's yeah. out there and he remembers that cat. Yeah. Luis Suarez apparently being rumored to Cruz Azul. He is, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. I don't like him just because he's older and he's taking up a younger uh, player's yeah. spot. But, you know, you also got to take into consideration, you know, it is Cruz Azul. And are there any players available? I know you mentioned there isn't a player coming up the ranks. There's not too many young ones, but that's also a f- their fault. Yeah, correct. So, uh, I yeah, it's going to be interesting. Apparently, Luis Suarez wants to play a little bit more competitive ball than Uruguay's league. Mexico Mexico's <laughs> league is uh, considered to be one of the most competitive, one of the most competitive in the Americas. Um, so, I think it would be good for him if he wants competitive ball. I think it would be good for Liga Mekis, not so much for uh, producing more players in Mexico, right? Uh, but if, if he's going to take a player spot like Garnero or um, one of those fools that are already there with Cruz Azul, a big star would be great because, I mean, MLS is taking all the big stars right now. Yeah, he uh, was rumored to go to Miami for a second Yeah, with David Beckham. I think something like that might still happen. The Cruz Azul piece will probably fall out. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. That's all I got. Yeah, those are the big transfers that I've heard of so far. We'll probably have another episode pretty soon on, like, one of our first our first episode ever, if you guys didn't know this fun fact, if you guys didn't listen to it, was uh, right at the beginning of the Liga Mekis and MLS season, and we did a full transfers episode on who was coming in for each league. So we'll probably do one pretty soon because the winter transfers will probably start opening up. It will there are, it's already open, I think, but we should be getting a lot more juicy names after the World Cup. Yeah, once the World Cup ends. Cuckoo. But that's all I got, Cesar. That's all I got, brother. Let's call it. Yes, sir. All right, folks. Jump in the Discord. Follow us on social media. Interact with us. Give us any feedback. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us five stars because we're killing it on there. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. All Peace. right. Have a good one. Peace.